0: All right, and welcome to this episode of the Chalky Hands Podcast. Sitting across from me is one of our hardest working members, Jeff Chevy. 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 Ah, oh, man, I was so gonna think, close. I always want to so think close. it's like a, it's like a fancy, like Chevrolet, like Jeff Chevier, and the pinky goes up. I always wanted it to be that way, but it just never was. Uh, anyway, we cannot get what we want. That's right. Um, Jeff and I just finished working out. Bit of a sweaty mess in here. And, you know, one of the things that I notice most about Jeff is he's got this incredible work ethic and I basically brought him in here to flatter him today. Um, but I was coaching in the class the other day and it was just really simple workout and I saw him just absolutely dust these young guys, not that Jeff's an old guy, but these are like 20 something kids and he just absolutely smokes them and you know, his, his work ethic is, is second to none. And, uh, he's also a very successful entrepreneur um so i want to start off with a couple of just questions about you know crossfit jeff when did you start crossfit uh i am about a five-year
1: crossfit first of all jp thanks for having me on secondly if you can see me i'm blushing i don't do this stuff very often but i'm happy to be here uh those are very kind words but uh yeah i i my introduction to crossfit and i'll tell you just a very brief story here uh i used to go to a gym religiously at lunchtime uh, that was across the back alley from my original office and Uh, I thought I was a pretty fit guy. I would go all the time. And some of our coaches there were some CrossFit um, coaches. They sort of moonlighted CrossFit and they said, you should try this. You should go to CrossFit. It's probably a bit more of your jam. And so this would be probably a long time ago, eight years ago. CrossFit was a little bit more rogue then than it is now. And I had a buddy of mine said, let's go drop in. And we dropped in and it was Kelsey was the very first <laughs> CrossFit workout that I ever did. And JP's laughing because uh, that's what I tried to get him to do this morning, which he vehemently denied. And we didn't do Kelsey, but we went in and we did Kelsey, which was to this day, probably that one of the hardest workouts I've ever had. I did it. I blacked out. I failed the workout. I timed out. They let me actually load the bar to RX weight. I mean, the coaches was so bad and then it scared me away from CrossFit for probably four years. I came back um, and thought I was pretty fit, joined a CrossFit gym, figured out that I was the most unfit guy in the entire class mm-hmm. and had a big ego check for probably three months and never looked back. I absolutely love it now do it uh, as much as I can. Awesome.
0: Uh, I think it's really important. We tell people what Kalsu is. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. So Kalsu is um it's a hundred thrusters at one thirty-five. Is it hundred? Is it fifty? It's a hundred. It's a hundred thrusters at one thirty-five for dudes, and every minute on the minute you do five burpees, and so basically hundred thirty-five pound thruster is disgusting already. Like it's just there's no other way to say it. And then you get so fatigued and beaten down by the five burpees every minute that you you're basically guaranteed to not finish, especially the first time, um, and end up just if you do really want to finish stripping weight off the bar and weight off the bar and weight off the bar. And that just sort of speaks to how like how hard of a worker Jeff is, is that I was like, Hey man, you want to do a little workout and then hit a podcast. And I, I'm got this like casual imam planned out. Turned out to be not as casual, but he's like, Hey, let's do the hardest fucking workout I've ever done. That literally destroyed me. And then we'll just sit down. And That's right. I don't want to do it for about six more years. Yeah. So you got to do it about once every five or six years. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was just like, that's not even an option. I'm pretty happy that we didn't do it. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) here. Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, Okay. so shifting gears, Jeff, you're an entrepreneur. Um, You know, what was your first business?
1: Yeah. So uh, I've been an entrepreneur forever. Uh, You know, it it dates back to I always tell people when I was a kid, um, I was lucky enough back in the early days, we had a family cottage cabin that Mm. was on a golf course and there was holes that ran back and forth and there was a little Creek that went right by our cabin and the, the golfers, you know, there's all sorts of range of golfers, but they wouldn't be so good. And so I set up a little trap in the, in the Creek and I would collect all the golf balls that the golfers would hit in. They would hit it in on the third hole. I'd collect them. I would go meet them on the seventh tee box. I'd sell them their golf ball back to them, which then they would (laughs) proceed to put back in the Creek and it would get caught by my trap again. And so, you know, I don't know, from the very early days, I just wanted to be my own guy. Um, I really have literally not had a boss in uh, ever, almost. I went from college into the brokerage business where you're your own boss. And then uh, I started into the house building business many, many years ago. Um, And I kind of got passionate about design and housing and it was a it was a um, a business that you could the barrier to entry was not that high. And and we kind of mucked around that with that for a long time and made a lot of mistakes over the years, but had a lot of fun, too. So and we still are we're still in the real estate business. We still build um, rental communities mostly now. So we're in the rental business where people rent houses from us. We run their uh, rental community and we build it and sell it to other other
0: partners. So nice. Yeah, nice. it's good. Um- I do like that golf ball story it's just fish in a barrel <laughs> totally. um guys guys would actually say did i just hit
1: this in the water because back in the day there was a particular golf ball that was half orange and half yellow yeah. and they were a little bit rare so you'd be selling them back as half orange half yellow ball you like, gee i just put this in the creek i said i don't know man it's a buck so
0: <laughs> you see anybody else out here selling balls You're no right. this, i'm your only i'm your guy um during the, the time that you built up your, your home building business, um, and that was kind of your first big entrepreneurial venture, when when was it and what was it that you figured out where you were kind of like, aha, this is something I can definitely do. Like, this is it for me.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You, uh, I was a young guy when I started, and I think every entrepreneur has to have a certain naivety and blinders on that if you didn't have that, you would never start any business because as you are in it for long enough you see more shit that happens and more things that go wrong and as you fill your toolkit with all those things you would never it again and i always laugh because um you know you go into it you're a young guy and you think i'm gonna i'm gonna nail this in two years a year <laughs> three years and you look back and it's been 10 years and you've been grinding every day for 10 years and people say christ like God, you are an overnight success. And you think, yeah, an overnight success after about 12 years. And so, um, you know, you look back, it's just it was just making more mistakes than anything. Um, And, you know, I I always say to my people that are unfortunate to work with that literally all we do is solve problems every day, that Mm -hmm. that's all it is. And if you solve enough problems, you keep moving on. and uh, and that's what kind of kept us going. We were, we were passionate about the housing business and I have been for a long time. I'm kind of I'm kind of into those things that people do on a daily basis, where you live, what you eat, who you hang out with. Like, I like that stuff. It's, it's why I love CrossFit. I mean, uh, it's been a, it's different than any gym. You can literally go anywhere and you're going to have a cool group of people to hang out with. It's just mm-hmm. that CrossFit culture. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, overnight success over a long period of time and and just
0: solving problems for years and years and years. Seems seems to be the way, um, you know, that that whole thing about if you knew what you would have to do to go through it, you you probably wouldn't have started it. Um, reminds me of that expression. What's the difference between courage and stupidity? Courage is knowing you're going to get hurt and doing it anyway and stupidity is you know, just not knowing anything and doing it right. Like that's it. So, you know, is it courageous that you want to do Cal or is it stupid? I'd
1: say it's courageous. <laughs> <laughs> well we're not gonna find out. That's right. We're yeah, not yeah, gonna do it. Yeah, you have you have some uh, banged up excuse that you can never do it. So I won't I ask you I, I won't do. ask you again. I do.
0: Yeah. How about how about no excuse? I just don't want to. I just don't want, I just to, don't that's want right. to do that's it. I like, you know, like, would
1: have been the honest answer. Listen, that's I, I mean that's I don't it. want to do yeah this. I don't
0: want to do it. Well you know, over, over the years of doing cross for like you accumulate, you should be accumulating some amount mm-hmm. of wisdom that says, if I do X workout, I'm going to get Y result. And it's like that workout, the result is always, you just get turned into hamburger, like you're shattered <laughs> totally, for days, totally. for days. True. Right. So yeah, that's one of those things. It's like, I do Murph once a year. I don't do it for, for fun. some reason. I don't do it for sport. I get real tired for about a week, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of that's it. That's right. Um, So post, you know, housing business, you still got that going on, but then boom, COVID hits and, you know, most businesses are, you know, they're down and out. They're just kind of hanging on. They're doing their thing, trying to pay the bills. And then you go and you start to open more businesses that are very different from the housing business. So what was the first thing that you opened during COVID? Well, it's, you know... Uh, hindsight's 2020
1: and, uh, I mean, we were, we were hanging out at that time and, and doing CrossFit and the first COVID lockdown happened and I'm sitting down in Fernie where I like to hang out and ski and stuff and we're all in our houses and I am going down the rabbit hole of the internet and <laughs> I, you know, what is this worldwide pandemic? And, uh, you know, and the, uh, I came to the incorrect conclusion that my main business was, was dead in the water that I, I went completely apocalyptic that no one would be able to pay a mortgage. Nobody was going to be able to rent a house and, Mm. and that my main business was finished. And so we're sitting there, we're locked down. And I remember talking to a bunch of my senior guys that have been with me forever. And and what are we going to do? You know, we've got to reinvent ourselves into something else. And, We decided that we wanted to get into some businesses that were um, maybe not easier, but quicker than real estate development. Um, And being the contrarian that I am, um, restaurants and bars were going, they were the hardest hit, obviously. They they they're working one day and they're closed the next. And we came to the the wise, unwise, stupid, courageous, whatever you call it, conclusion, that we could do a few things that we knew how to do, which was build things and get them approved. And we should put those skills to work in the in the restaurant and bar business. And so when I say that I literally never worked in the business, I mean, I literally never worked in the business. We we opened our first bar and the day we opened, we were setting up a point of sale system. None of us had ever. Cooked a chicken wing in our life, and we opened up a little bar, and uh, it, it was the definition of stupid or insane or whatever. It was a absolute blast. Um, We've been very fortunate to uh, to survive it, but that was the general thesis of, you know, we need to find a different business to go in and and go where guys were uh, were not succeeding, and kind of reinvented and come out of the ashes with a different economic um, profile to what we were doing, and so. I, I guess it's a what would that be a year and a half ago? I mean, a
0: little more than a year, half, yeah. year and a
1: half. We opened our first bar, and now we've got four more bars and a
0: whole bunch of uh, other restaurants. So cool. nice, nice. I mean, w- was that kind of hey, let's you know diversify, for lack of a better term? Was that really early pandemic, like the first kind of three months where it's like we might all die, but if we don't, I need to figure something out.
1: Yeah, it it was that very first three months where we I literally thought. I can remember having a call with one of my big banking partners, and saying, "We're never going to be able to pay you. I mean, people are going to stop paying us rent." And clearly, uh, you know, governments across the world came and stepped in and and rescued this whole thing. But at the early stages, I thought we are dead. You know, what are we going to do for a living? Um, and it, it took a little while. I mean, it wasn't like the day after we went into lockdown, we decided this. But after 45 days and sitting there trying to figure out what to do, we kind of landed on this strategy and um, and guys were getting shuttered all over the place. So, um, it, you know, in hindsight, it if it, 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 the, the first example, if you look back, would you do it again? Uh, again, it's that same naivety we yeah. we, we went in. We solved the problems. We learned a lot. And now we're in that business and we're, we're just knowledgeable enough to be dangerous. Um, would you go back and do it again? Probably. It's been fun enough and it's been cool to do a new business, but uh, it's just like every other business. It It's just solving problems every day. And, and the problems are just different. They're different kind of problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: what was the first bar you opened? What was it called? Scuba J's, Scuba J's dive bar. So I had a, uh, At the time, you know, I've got I've got a construction company. I have a real estate company and I go to all my senior managers and say, Guess what, guys and girls, we're going to run a bar and you're going to bartend and you're going to be in the kitchen. And I had a guy that who doesn't work for me anymore, but he worked for me at the time and and his name was uh, Jay and Jay would have too many beers and he would always Go into stories about his glory days being a scuba instructor at Club Met. And Jay's probably 225 pounds now. And back in his glory day, he would be, you know, scuba instructor, uh, hitting on all the girls and stuff. And so we decided that we would name the first bar Scuba Jay. And in fact, I have a picture of Scuba Jay in the bar in a pink speedo at his fighting weight of about 225 so it's not a it's not a very uh good picture but it is uh it is a great bar
0: nice nice that's awesome um so you do scuba jays and you you know you're opening several bars after that but at what point when you started to operate scuba jays you know how many months was it did you decide hey this is this is working well enough Then i'm gonna do it again and i'm gonna do it a couple more times after that
1: yeah it took us about 90 days so we opened on canada day um and i barely remember the day because we literally didn't know what we were doing and we got run over the you know people were just coming out of lockdown hadn't been to bars in a really long time we open on a holiday and run a patio so we opened on canada day Uh, we did our second bar, which was called chemical Steve's on 17th Avenue in the fall. So I think we opened it in around the middle end of October, something like that. I don't remember exactly. It was probably the toughest one because it was. Um, Scuba J's got open and stayed open for the summer. And then the pandemic, as I recall, went crazy again in the fall. Yeah. And Chemical Steve's, its first six months, was literally open, closed, open, closed, open, closed, and then closed for prolonged periods. So, um, yeah, we did Chemical Steve's. Then we did a bar on 4th Street called College Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another bar in Kensington called Top Notch. Um, and those were the first four. And they, they sort of came in pretty close succession after that, where
0: within a year they were all open. 90 days is, is pretty ballsy for you to decide, Hey, I want to do this again. Um, but at, the, at the time I remember you kicking around names for bars and, you know, he says to me, I'm going to call it chemical Steve's dive bar. And I'm like, dude, do not name your bar <laughs> chemical Steve's <laughs> dive bar. Cause like, I, you know, I got a young family and you know, I'm not going out drinking. I'm not doing anything like that. But if I'm thinking, Hey, scuba jays that sounds kind of nice you know it's this nice brick building it's got this cool signage with the light bulbs it's fill out the name i might go in there and you know check it out but chemical steves that's not that's not a place that i, I think it was like hey i'm gonna go to chemical steves and you know the, the real question is how big of a difference do you notice between the kinds of people that go to scuba jays or top notch or college than uh, then go to um, Chemical Steve. In
1: retrospect, although I completely ignored your advice to, to, <laughs> not, to not name it like that, which is probably uh, very very much my personality, uh, our clientele is very different. Chemical Steve's has a different uh, a different group of people. In fact, I learned the harder lesson. I learned was I named Chemical Steve's after my former CFO, who was Steve, and he the legend goes, he'd put any chemical in his body. And his mom actually got mad at me when I named it Chemical Steve's and he ended up quitting too. So I had to stop naming bars after um, Mm. my employees because I I named a bar after them and they wouldn't be there. But but it is a very different clientele. It's an aggressive 17th Avenue, probably fits the moniker quite well.
0: I just assume like more bar fights like that, you know, that classic bar scene where someone breaks a, a, bar, a beer that's bottle right. on the bar counter and then tries to shiv somebody like it's just
1: that's right. sorry. I mean, if you don't, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you can appreciate I didn't need to take too much advice from you about yeah. the about bars because it's been a really long time since you've been in one Absolutely. anyway. So.
0: Yeah, no, it's been, I don't know it's bad. So you weren't time. my prototypical customer anyway. No, no. But you know, if you if you if you want to name a bar chemical, Steve. Florida. That's where you open a bar called Chemical <laughs> right. Steve's. And you'll right. you'll you'll have it'll be a good time. Yeah. Um. So you do the bars. And then you know, you get you get another idea. You get another idea to open an, another chain of businesses, which is which is flirty bird. Yeah. So you know, tell tell me like, what's flirty bird? Yeah.
1: So flirty bird, uh, it is uh, the short story is it is a food segment that is Nashville hot chicken. And I got enamored with Nashville hot chicken in Nashville. And so the history of Nashville hot chicken goes back 85 years. It was a recipe. The legend is that a guy that owned a chicken joint in Nashville was out with another woman one night came home to his wife and smelled of this other lady. And the wife said, why don't you sit down, sweetheart? I'm going to make you some chicken for a little snack before bed. And she overly spiced it, trying to really hurt this guy. And he had the chicken and he thought, this is really good. He really enjoyed (laughs) it. So he put it on his menu at his chicken shop. And there's a very specific way that they do it. And the, the kind of cool thing about it is it goes from Really unspicy to incredibly, incredibly spicy. So I had it in Nashville many years ago, and and would always look for it. And I spent a bunch of time in California and watched the food concept um, blow up and expand in California. And once we got into the restaurant business, I started to muck around a little bit with our own um, recipes for the spicing and preparation with a nod to, being it, to having it stay very, very authentic. Um, and it's now the fastest growing food segment in the US. And we're the first guys in Western Canada to do a bricks and mortar version of it. And it's really a cool concept because it's been validated over 85 years in the US but we open our restaurants in Calgary here and nobody knows what it is. Literally 99% mm-hmm. of our customers come in and you're educating them on this really neat food. And nine times out of 10, they'll come in today and then you'll see them a week later because they come back and they and they are enjoying it. So, yeah, it's um, it's actually um, it's been a lot of fun. It's it's a whole new business. It's you know, we call it kind of quick service. Cool. Uh, we've got five or six locations that we've got now and plans for a whole bunch of them for uh, for next year uh, and huge expansion plans. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a super cool, super fun uh, and very, very good uh, food. Although you haven't come in yet. You keep threatening, I haven't, I haven't. You keep threatening that you're going to come in. It's a little unhealthy for you. You can't have it every day, but yeah. it's a, it'd be a nice cheap food for you.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, coming, coming from the States, I definitely had more of a fast food diet as a kid. So my reference point for that is, you ever had a, a spicy chicken sandwich at wendy's it's like that but it's not made of crap it's yep. made of chicken and and you know kind of good stuff right yeah um people like deep fried things people like chicken that like sandwiches it sounds like a home run man it is
1: good yeah kids love it we do attenders. we do the sando uh we've got uh we've got a great following with the flames and um they're they, i've got the basically the entire flames team addicted to it every time they're in town luch yeah like he literally is 10 minutes, he's in town, he's over to our shop, getting some sandos and, um, yeah, it, it, it's been really fun and, and we're, you know, again, it's the same old thing. We're learning a lot. It's kind of taking up a lot of bandwidth from our bar business, but, um, but it's, uh, but it's pretty cool.
0: So how many, uh, how many Flurry Bird locations do you have? We've
1: got five in Calgary, uh, one that is, it'll be open in January in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, one more in Canmore and about four or five locations that we're working on in the lower mainland, Vancouver. So we will be Calgary, Edmonton and Vancouver next year. Um, and we hope to be in and around 20
0: spots by the end of 2022. So so at, at what point do you like in this massive expansion, do you realize that your legacy will become chicken, chicken? <laughs> that's funny. You say that because
1: I thought really, I'm now turning into a chicken guy. Yeah. I built like thousands of people, their homes that they live in. And, and I'm now going to be known as a chicken guy. It, it occurs to me and that's uh, okay. Whatever it's, it's more fun. Than but I mean like
0: that. That, that, that's service, you know, like my mom was a chef and you know, like food is love you cook for people. And that's you know one of the ways you show love. And you know people people show them to your restaurant. You give them a good meal. Everybody's happy. They have a good time. That's um, I actually talk about this with uh, you know one of the other people I train. His mom used to have an ice cream shop. And I said you know if I ever open up another brick and mortar business, I'm gonna do something that just makes everybody happy. They come in. They buy ice cream. They buy pizza. They buy something. They leave happier when they came in. It's not like I don't know what store is always irritating, but you know. just something nice right and typically in the the food service
1: yeah i i'm the same way that's part of what i've really enjoyed about this we liked you know the housing business gives you that to a certain extent and the the bar restaurant um food business gives you immediate gratification on that you give people a good meal a fun time some live music a beer a pop whatever um I, I've really gotten a kick out of that, and it's um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, hey, all that we've got in this world is time, and these people share their time with you. They take the time to come to your restaurant, eat your food, tell you that they like it, and um, yeah, it's cool. It's fun to fun to be part of.
0: So this this episode's not going to come out for about a week. So between now and then, I'm going to go to Flurry Bird. Okay. I'm going to have a sandwich, and I'm going to write an honest review in the show notes. Please. So you know if this thing's terrible. Are you, uh,
1: are you gonna, well, what you should do for sure. will do is to make sure that you have a barometer of the spiciness, right? So you'll have to take it right to the spiciest level to make sure that you can tell, uh, people about how spicy
0: it is. Yeah. Like I don't want the Cal version of a chicken sandwich, you know, well, you have to just have one bite of it. One bite. Yeah. You don't have to have any more than one bite. All right. Um, so we've, we've gone through kind of the, the mechanical side of like, you started from (laughs) a, now you're at B. And, you know, you've seen this growth and and you've done it through the pandemic, which is really impressive. But, you know, what what are some of the intangibles? Like, you know, how how is it that you are able to create such success and based off some of that momentum springboard into now what's going to be this chicken empire?
1: Well, you know, again, I'm. uh, It goes back to what we just talked about it literally, in my opinion is it it, the parallels between uh, business, CrossFit, you know, all of those things. You started the show with it. It is literally just pick a goal and have hard work get you there. I mean, it is it's as simple as that. And I'm I'm a by nature, I'm an overly optimistic guy. And so I I see what can happen. And I'll get myself into trouble by not seeing all the pitfalls between there and here and there. And so it's a blessing and it's a curse, but um, you know, it, it is just, I've been um, lucky to have the ability to just see where you want it to go and say, we'll just solve the problems as we get there, work hard and know that you're going to make mistakes all the time. Like you're, you're going to get it wrong. And as I've gotten older, I've become much more comfortable asking for help um seeking advice from others that have made the mistakes and and getting help on that but i I think it's just um you know pick your whatever your passion is uh pick it put your head down and it is just it's nothing sexy like it's just hard work um and that's all this is and so you know i i'm getting a real kick out of the chicken game uh because we've got years and years of real estate and now it's becoming a bit of a real estate business as well Um, but it is, it's also cool just to hang out with people that are, are liking what you do, which is, you know, why I'm so enamored with CrossFit. You come in and once you get your culture of people that are there, they're there to do cool things. They want to work hard. Yeah. They're there to get fit. They're there to, to share that same thing together.
0: Um, and that's why I love the CrossFit side of it too. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one of the things that must be challenging, um, especially right now, but in general is staffing all those businesses. And I remember you said to me once that you really like to hire Mm -hmm. athletes because they know how to work hard. Um, You know, is that still true in the chicken business? And you know, what else do you look for when you're trying to hire the right staff?
1: You know, it, it's a, it is true. I would hire an athlete. Um, I almost don't even look at their resume. If they're a high-level athlete, uh, my operations manager in the bars was an Olympic-level curler, which I tease her, that's barely a sport, but uh, we, give, we give her credit for it. And, and there's just a competitiveness and a, a knowledge of how to work hard that comes from being an athlete. Um, and that's still true. My senior people are all are all former athletes of one way shape Mm -hmm. or form my you know the culture in the chicken business and in those kinds of businesses is so critical and we call with a the um analogy that we use is we call it our pirate ship um Mm -hmm. because a a commercial kitchen a guy named anthony bourdain wrote a book and he he wrote it That a a line kitchen is like your pirate ship. You've got all your pirates in there and you've got your pirate that's responsible for doing the dishes and your pirate that's getting burned at the griddle and your pirate that's doing this and that. And so our flirty crew, we call them, um, they're our crew of pirates and we are ruthless and relentless with making sure we get guys and girls that fit into that culture um, because they they are your front and center. And and it is very, very challenging to find them. But when you do find them, um, you know, like, hey, I'm not a restaurant guy. And so uh, I taught myself how to do this on YouTube, and how we made our recipes in our own kitchen at scuba J's. And we made it by just testing and retesting and tweaking. And it's not rocket science. And so I don't have any chefs on my in, in my business, I've got cool young people uh with piercings and tattoos and they smoke in the back alley and they're funny and they're engaging but they're also committed to what we're doing and you need a certain buy-in because we do one thing and we do it really well and we do it day after day after day we make it we make a deep fried chicken breast and so it's hard to keep guys engaged with that unless you Create a really cool environment around them. So it, it is literally um, one of the biggest focuses, and I, I'm super fortunate. My my daughter, who's an athlete as well, um, she was a, a Div one tennis player, um, moved back from uh, New Jersey, and and she's the uh, she's the leader of the people people side of our business, and she uh, and she's in charge of you know building that team, and and it's great to have her, uh, but it is uh, absolutely critical find your location and get cool people in there that are digging
0: the concept that you're doing. So yeah, it, like it reminds me of uh, Clive Berger on 17th. Like when you when I think of a of a of a like a kitchen crew, the pirate example is great. And like, I love Bourdain stuff, but I want to see somebody that's tattooed that, you know, that smokes on their breaks, maybe vapes nowadays, you know, I don't know, has colorful hair, weird haircut, piercings, like whatever. Um, you know, after their shift probably goes out and gets bombed, those people are making the best food. They're making the best food. Yeah. That's exactly. what I want to hire. Yep. And but, we don't, we, we don't let them do the,
1: the old may I chef and all that stuff. They, we don't, we don't, uh, adhere to those, uh, long time honored. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes. Yeah. Chef may I and yeah. all that shit. We don't do that. So,
0: um, that stuff, that stuff gets crazy. It does. It's, uh, you know, I've only seen it in, in, in movies and I, I don't know. It, it looks weird. So yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to rent that way. Um, but, you know, to to wrap up the episode, um, you know, Jeff's, Jeff's got a history of success behind him now, but his overnight success took over a decade of hard work and consistent problem solving. It really, like, it doesn't sound complicated, but it, it, it doesn't sound like it was, you know, always super fun. Oh, it isn't. I mean, it's not all
1: fun. It it is, uh, there's lots of shitty days where you're just solving, problems that you didn't even know existed um but at the end of the day you can you know sit back uh a music night and scuba jays and it is packed full of neighborhood people and they are having a great night those are the times that i really enjoy and it makes it all worth it because people are hanging out together and in something that you created and they're having a good time they have a great meal in um in a flirty bird we go to a great workout in here and you have some camaraderie and laughs with the boys and the girls and you have a great workout i mean all of that is what it's all about in my opinion and and it's it's worth all the pain to get there
0: yeah yeah i mean you know when i when i think about running the gym um and you know just like experiencing crossfit over the years i think back to like those summertime workouts where it was a big, busy class. It was a really fun workout. You know, the music's on, the garage is open, people are just sweating, they're having a good time, and you just have like this really good vibe in the air. And, you know, I don't think about the times I'm like, you know, in my office writing emails or crunching numbers or doing whatever. You exactly. Know, like... those
1: are That's the stuff you forget about.
0: Yeah. Um, before we head out for the day, if you're going to give one piece of advice to an entrepreneur, what is it? just do it pick
1: pick whatever it is and ignore all of the all of everybody with more experience that would tell you not to do it and just do it be
0: prepared to work hard but just do it i love that. i love that advice because i'll see people that will get in contact with us and kind of like him and ha about joining crossfit and you know i've been doing this forever and i'm like just do it already just you know, do like it. It's, it's not a life-altering decision like you'll spend hours agonizing over this thing or that thing it's how we make decisions in general now, right? We go on the internet, we research, and we look, and we convince ourselves, and we talk ourselves out of it. And it's like, just do it already. It'll Nike be, got it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be it'll be better either way because at least you'll know. It's like trying a restaurant. Well, the food was kind of okay, but now when I drive by it, I know what the food was like in that restaurant. Exactly. So, Absolutely. Um, anyway, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Chalky Hands Podcast. Thanks for being here, Jeff. Thanks, brother. All right, and have a good one.
1: Dude.